Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It is one of your hosts today, AJ. And your other host for the day, Nico. And joining us is our producer for this episode, Allie. What's up? (laughs) And our Googler, Alex. Yo. (laughs) So for this episode, our question of the day is going to be, where do you think the term student-athlete came from? I don't know. It just seems pretty self-explanatory to me, right? Just student-athlete. Just put them together. You play sports and you also go to school. So athletes who are also students can have, like, a certain, like, title. Because people wanted to go to college and play sports, so they just, like, went, like, the student part of school and then, like, the athlete part of sports. To show where your priorities should be? Like, you're a student first and then an athlete? I would guess that it probably comes from, like, faculty or staff probably created it, like, people in the school. We decided to conduct our own research because what's a question without an answer? And according to Molly Harry of Diverse Issues in Higher Education, the term was coined in the 1950s as a way of classifying athletes that does not allow them to reap the rewards of their athletic careers while they're in school. It it started to avoid having to pay a workers' comp to the widow of a football player who died from a game-induced injury. And because of that, it also prevented workers' comp and pay-for-play to future athletes in college, which are all four of us here in the studio today, Mm -hmm. and literally everyone else that is classified as a student-athlete. Where is my money? Yeah, where do we get money? (laughs) I kind of agree with the term, especially like when you're in high school, you kind of think about it as like, oh, snap, I'm a student Mm -hmm. athlete. Um, And when you're in college, it's definitely like a really big honor. But if we could pick an ideal term, what do you think that would be? I was thinking we could go by just athletes because, Mm. you know, at the end of the day, that's what we are. Uh, We are also students, but (laughs) we're not going to go and talk about schoolwork, talk about what happened in practice, how good we did in our games, how long we sat the bench, blah, blah, blah. Or what I was thinking is sports rep, which sounds super geeky. Uh, However, I I do believe it could be an all-inclusive term, you know, kind of unifying all of us athletes that actually play the game, the coaches who manage us, the athletic directors, the trainers and kind of the whole department in the school as a whole. Yeah, I I honestly like that term because it doesn't just single out like a group of kids who not only do school and sports, but it kind of brings, like you said, it brings the whole department together and includes everybody else that busts their (laughs) for games to just go like the way that they need to and make sure that everybody's um, healthy. Mm -hmm. So... We are, we are the athletes, and we do take credit for the wins. However, <laughs> you know, it can't be a, we can't overlook the, the everybody else's efforts that go into a, a, a game or even just preparing a whole season for us because, you know, without, without those people, where would we be? Honestly, without that Theragun, where would yeah. the tightness? Shout out to the athletic <laughs> trainers here for always 
putting those cups on us and sucking the blood out of our backs. <laughs> I literally uh, currently have bruises on my back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but honestly, not going to degrade the term. The term is a great term to have, especially um, when talking about the honor that it holds and the honor that it brings. Don't you think that, like, not just here, but around the world, like, there are many people who hold that term with, like, such a significance that I don't even think that we can explain, honestly. Yeah, definitely. All four of us in the studio are American by by birth, I'm assuming. Yes. 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 All right, well, I'm getting head nods. However, there are many students that go to our school that come from international backgrounds, and I actually have a little clip from one of my teammates whose name is Manuel. He's from Venezuela, and this is what he had to say about coming to America and being a student athlete. Being an athlete, first of all, means a big opportunity in my life because that means that I can... Uh, do a big step uh, to the big leagues to to sign a, a professional contract, and that's one of the of the main things that I like of being a student athlete. So, as you can see, there's or as you can listen because this is an audio only podcast. Sorry, YouTubers. <laughs> there's really a a huge a huge grounds for keeping a high standards as international students, especially because a lot of them will come to America to play an American-based sport, such as baseball or football, which provides a huge stepping stone for them to reach their goals. And a lot of those goals, or most of the goals, I would assume, are to play Major League Baseball, to play in the NFL, Mm -hmm. to go to the NBA. I doubt your goal, if you're an international student, is to play in the MLS. Because why would you do that when there's <laughs> Syria A and all the other leagues in Italy and Europe? Mm-hmm. So a lot of student athletes will hold a, uh, a huge standard to their excellence as international students. I know you guys play lacrosse. Do you have any yeah. international students on your team? We actually don't currently, but Ali has played lacrosse overseas. So like from that experience, were you coming in contact with people over there that like kind of explained like how much of a big deal it was for them to be playing? Um, a little bit. I played in Prague, which is in Czech Republic, and we played against teams like like the Venezuela national team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing I, I didn't really get to talk to them too much, but they were like so excited to ask us about lacrosse and see how like how we play in, in the United States. And I thought it was really interesting that some of them were like 28 and they were playing lacrosse on like the national team. And like, but they were playing against us who were like 21 or like 18 from college. I think. I think you made actually a couple really interesting points. For one, how do we play sports differently in America versus overseas? Because there's such a big range of style of gameplay and also just the types of athletes that you will recruit. I know in America, we're really, really big on speed and power. Where mm-hmm. And I, I really think that that spans across all sports that you play. You want to be fast, you want to be strong. However, you look overseas, and I'm just speaking about what I know, in Japan, they value more finesse Mm. in the sport of baseball. Another point that you brought up is you were playing against 28-year-olds when you were 18, so they've got a huge advantage and experience, and something that I've experienced in the first school that I went to in southern Michigan, where hockey was a huge deal, you know, you have athletes that 
come from international countries where they graduate high school later, mm. so they're going to be older. So I was taking level one biology in my freshman year when I was 18 with 23-year-olds who were also freshmen who came here to play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so I think with that, a lot of European athletes will kind of come in with a, an advantage in the physical development aspect, the experience aspect, but it can also bring in a new sense of leadership yeah. and also, like we talked about, uh, a different style of gameplay. But that is not all into the international um, realm. Like, that is that can happen a lot in America, and you see it happen a lot in America with American players. Like, the the honor, not, you know, not to keep going back to honor, but honestly, there is a, a huge honor and significance when it comes to a student athlete if they're like a first generation for American families. And I think that sports is used as another way to kind of provide that escape for people who are struggling in, in a lot of different aspects. Like that's where you see most, most like MMA fighters coming out from and they always talk about how it wasn't the fighting that got them out of it, you know, and the brutality of it. It was, it was literally the discipline and the drive to control yourself in an uncontrollable situation. And that's what really pulled them out of the darkness. And so I think that, um, to be a student athlete, it kind of, it kind of weighs that self on to you as well because like you do have your own insecurities and your darknesses um, when you're going through uh, high school and college and when you play a sport, you know whether you're going to admit it or not, that is kind of a way for you to sort of discipline yourself in yeah. a way that is outside of the outside of the sports world and can transfer to the classroom in order for you to get that opportunity to come yes. to the states to play. I would argue that there's many, many, many students in America who mm -hmm. are going to be first generation to go to college, and they can contribute all of that to athletics. Yes. When you hear the the stories of many people who have come from first generation families, who have um, come from come from low low income households, and to play all the way up into the big leagues, like mm -hmm. it. It makes you rethink the term as a whole as not only a term that you could use as, you know, oh, this is why I don't get paid. But if you think about the brighter side of it, it's honestly a term that uh, you can hold to kind of wear as, um, wear as a medal. And I also feel like there's such a pride that comes with athletics that oftentimes families will see so so distant into the future of their children that they'll kind of, uh, I don't want to say force it on them, but they'll encourage them to to live for that and only that and dedicate all of their time to training. I was reading earlier that there are many young, young teens, preteens even, in the Dominican Republic that are dropping out of school just to pursue baseball. Wow. And there are 10 and 11-year-olds that you know, no longer attend their attend their day school just so that they can continue to play, and there are even there are even students. Oh, well, I can't call them students anymore. There are even thirteen year olds out there who are grasping the attention of major league scouts in baseball. Wow. And I was reading earlier that there was a sixteen year old whose name was Manuel Beltre from the Dominican Republic who just signed a two point three five million dollar deal with the Blue Jays, and he's 16. He oh, my God. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out what I 
wanted to do with my life that day when yeah. I was 16. When I was 16, I was trying to figure out when am I going to get my driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> and now this kid is living my dream and so many others just because of a pure talent and you look over to the states and that would never happen you have mm-hmm. you have teenagers in high school that yeah dream about it but how how dedicated are the high school student athletes mm-hmm. i will say that i did have a friend in high school who like he 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 did uh, dream about it and talked about it a lot, but he was in the cage like every day. And he still only was, I guess, like could hone his skill enough to go to like a junior college, which I know, I know is not like the best thing that you want to hear. But like, even when he heard that, like he still was like, no, 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 like that's a stepping stone. Like yeah. it's like it's good, it's good. That's exactly right. I don't think there's any shame in going to junior college. Some of the best players in the nation in a variety of sports that yeah. have come from junior colleges, partially, partially because there is no really academic standard mm-hmm. to go to junior college. All you have to do is graduate. So you don't really have to worry about satisfying a GPA requirement to play a sport at a school, whereas if you were to go to, let's say, the University of Florida, you would have to have, I think they have a minimum GPA requirement for their athletes. Um, and that's that goes for really any school. I think for us, we have a relatively small standard for that. I think it's like a 2.5. But yeah. regardless, you still have to put the effort in, in the classroom. And if some people can only manage to graduate high school, but they're good enough to play a sport, then there's no shame in going to junior college. And uh, actually, my teammate in high school was the the only one to go to a Division One school, and he had to go to a junior college first. Right. And he went to a junior college first. However, he also had the highest GPA out of any of us that were on the team. Mm-hmm. So it's really just where can you get the opportunity to play and where can you get the opportunity to to get to the next level. But regardless, there is still a huge pressure in getting recruited as a high school player. Yeah. So there's you have to worry about your school because when you're in high school, student athlete is is really serious. Mm-hmm. Like they they do not play around with you are a student first. If you do not get good grades, you will no longer attend the school. Your coach will suspend you. At least mine did. Not <laughs> me. My coach did not suspend me. Right. <laughs> but he will have suspended players that have uh, poor grades. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in high school, you have to worry about getting good grades, and you always you also have to worry about going to practice every day after class right. or a game or whatever it may be. However, the good thing in high school is that you don't have to worry about what your schedule is going to be for that day because mm-hmm. you go to school for seven or eight hours in a row and you go straight to practice afterwards. Mm-hmm. Whereas in college, you know, you may have one class this day and three classes the next day and two classes this day and they're all spread out throughout the day. You mm-hmm. have an 8 a.m., then you have an 11.30, and then you have a 4 p.m. And where do you fit Where do you fit homework in? Where do you fit time to eat in? Yeah. So... It's it, it definitely is a little bit easier when it comes to the schedule aspect of uh, being a student athlete in high school. Let the ad read commence. We're going to take a quick break to read from our non-sponsor NCWC Athletics. There are a ton of home games coming up in the next two weeks for all sports. 
It is really important that NCWC students, faculty, and staff make it out to these games because the USA South Conference has limited fans to only people who attend or work at the home facility. Go to ncwcsports.com to find the full schedules and links to live streams. Those streams are going to be on YouTube, so you have no excuse. Internet is free. So, coming back to kind of like the the weight of the term student-athlete, in high school, it, it is somewhat of a weight to bear, but you don't notice how much that like weight is going to get heavier when going into college. You kind of think that it's going to be a little bit easier, maybe because of the schedule, maybe because, you know, you're going to have a little bit of rest time in between classes, and so you get to uh, fuel up, rest up, do whatever you want to do before you um, go into anything else, but it actually gets harder because you are now physically demanding a lot more from yourself. In high school, it's kind of, you go into practice, but it's not as hard of a practice as it is in college. Trying to compare a high school game to a college game is like trying to compare, uh, I don't know, like an almond to a walnut. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just not comparable <laughs> at all. Yeah, the difference is nuts, so. Yeah. <laughs> No, for real, for real. But even going to uh, the teachers, like how in high school they are, they're like, "Do this work, gotta do this work, give it to me. I don't care what your coaches say." In college, it's like your coaches have more of an influence mm-hmm. on your grades than 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 your than your yeah. professors it's, do. It's on on syllabus day when the professors say, uh, "No excuse absences." Uh, unless you're an athlete. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess you have an excuse. Yeah. It's like they can't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. What, what are you going to say? Sorry, coach, I can't go to the game because I have to take a test? Yeah, like, uh, it's He's just... going to say, shut up, nerd, dress out. <laughs> shut up, nerd. Yeah, it, it's... It's, it's crazy. I, I never noticed that really when I was um, coming into college, but like as, as the years go by, it's just something that seems natural for you to kind of blame all of your, oh, well, I didn't turn this in on time because of practice, or oh, well, I couldn't get to this because I had a game. Like, mm-hmm. And a lot of coaches will say, like, plan everything out accordingly and don't use us as a reason for you not to turn something in. And it's like... Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, um, without you and the team here, I would not be in college in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) You are the reason I'm not doing things. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think a lot of coaches would argue that, especially where we go at a a Division three school, it's you have to get good grades, Mm -hmm. which you do. I mean, if you want to graduate and you go if you don't make it pro Mm -hmm. and you go to an interview and you're neck and neck with somebody else and they graduated with honors and you didn't then that's kind of on you but there is like a a, there is a there is a certain way with you know getting good grades and and stuff and while also balancing athletics as well but yeah I guess you really if you if you are going to college you know you have a you have you play a role Mm-hmm. And so your role as a student athlete is to attend class, attend practice, work hard in the classroom and on the field. And then you have your professors who also play a role in that college and their mm-hmm. role is to educate you. So if you want to look at it from the professor's perspective, it's okay, I get that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. 
but you still have to hold your own in in my classroom just as much as you're holding your own for your coach on the field. And I feel like that's that's what your coach kind of that's what coaches will say like that same same sentence. Mm-hmm. It'll just be flipped, but with the coach saying, "Okay, like I know that you know this is what you're doing. Yeah. You're doing school, but I also need you to be out on this field and and be here for me, like guns a blazing." And it's mm-hmm. like I I don't I don't I don't think either of them understand that that's just not something that can be done at the same time. And when it looks like it's being done at two different times, it's actually not. Yeah, it's, it is difficult to balance, and especially if you look at, like, if you look at fifth-year seniors, mm-hmm. they're taking these BS classes just so they can continue to play, so their, their focus isn't on the classroom, mm-hmm. even though, even though they could be taking classes that can severely or dr- drastically boost their GPA, which they may need, however, if they're going to the school for the fifth year and just taking elective courses just to get by so that they can play... That's not their main focus, and I think that could take a toll on the athlete as well as the professor and the coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're uh, you're definitely spending thousands of dollars on um, on an education, which is important. And you don't want to forget that, and you come to school not to make money, and you don't pay to play. Mm-hmm. So. What you're paying for is the education, and you don't want to forget that. The education is a very important part, and I think that sometimes goes over the heads of, of many coaches. Yeah. I don't know. Just I guess that's just food for thought. You can you can take multiple perspectives to look at it uh, and kind of justify it, whether to make yourself feel better or not. I like how you were talking about your priorities as a student is like to attend class and your priorities as an athlete is to attend practice and kind of give your all in both aspects and coming into that showing yourself as a student athlete in both aspects you wear your school while you are attending to different things you are wearing your school Mm -hmm. what you what you represent is your school and having that honestly bestowed on you I would say could even weigh a little bit more than being a student athlete because you have to be careful with every single thing that you do especially with like going back to athletics you get that practice jersey that has your logo or the school name on it yeah and that's on you to control who sees you doing what Mm. so I'm not saying I'm not saying don't go out and have fun but be mindful of it because you never know who's going to see who's going to see the video of you dancing in the background or if that's going to get back to the coach you don't know you really just don't know the consequences of your actions until they're dealt to you mm-hmm. so there's a there's a huge amount of pride that comes with wearing your school colors and you know a lot of coaches will say you represent yourself you represent the school and you represent this team and don't let any of them down mm-hmm. and you know with that comes power uh, power to display and represent your school and you know like like you see in all the great comic books with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> so there is definitely a, a sort of I guess pride that comes with it and an ego that you have to drop yeah I remember Alex you were talking about like a certain time in your career where you had a little bit of a slip-up yeah so um I played basketball two years ago mm-hmm and my coach, he's really old school. Like if you lapped on the bus after a loss, like you're running suicides once you got to the once you once we got back to the building no matter right. how late it was. Right. So 
the best, at least my years on the basketball team, we were all we were the type of guys that you know like love having fun, even when it when fun isn't really supposed to be had. Mm-hmm. So there was one day, me and four four or five other teammates were in the calf. We were eating, and these football players came up to us with mics and a camera. And you guys know those videos on YouTube where they like ask you a bunch of questions in order to get a wild response. Yeah. yeah. So we they were doing one of those videos, and we fell into the trap. And gave mm-hmm. some really, actually, really wild responses that degraded women. That we we used, we dropped a lot of f bombs. Mm-hmm. We just said wild stuff in general, <laughs> Be, and we didn't think about getting caught. And we were all wearing like Wesleyan gear because we had just got out of practice. Mm-hmm. I think so, somebody even had ice on their knees. Oh wow! Yeah. So the next day we end practice, and coach is like, "I need to see Alex and four other people." Mm-hmm. So we're like. Uh, what do we do? Because right. we're, we're the, that group that he called is usually the group that is like the group that causes stuff. So mm-hmm. we're like, oh no, we got. Uh. Yeah. But we, we're not thinking. We're not thinking about that video because we're just not thinking about it. Right. So we you guys just do so many wild things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh what? When interview is gonna take us down. <laughs> that was probably the first thing that day, honestly. Yeah. So we go back into his office and he starts the conversation. He's like. You know, getting interviewed is a good thing. You guys, we, you get interviewed for good games, you get interviewed for bad games, blah, 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 blah. So we're like, oh, we're about to get interviewed by the Rocky Mountain Telegram or like mm. a, a news station or something. Right. And we're like looking at each other hype. And then he tells us to sit down. They're, uh, uh, all three coaches are in there, the head coach and both assistant coaches. So he turns on the TV, mm. the YouTube logo pops up. And we're, like, oh. we're all like, oh my gosh. <laughs> My, I know specifically me. My heart drops like all the way to my feet because mm-hmm. I because I know what's about to come up. And then he pulls up the video. He already had it ready, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it shows ready. all five of us at the table, and we're, we just all put our heads down. Mm-hmm. And it's it was honestly I laughed through the whole thing because I knew what I was gonna say, but right. it was so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And he said it showed showed to him yesterday, mm-hmm. like maybe like four hours after it happened. Oh my god! And we don't we don't even we don't know how we got it or anything. Mm-hmm. And he made us write a 10-page paper on respect and the Wesleyan way and how we need to carry ourselves and blah, 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 blah. And then after we turned in that paper, he ran us probably for about 45 minutes to an hour straight. And it was the worst experience, worst conditioning experience in my life. Yeah. It, but it, it, it definitely got us in check. It yeah. Really did. Yeah, I would. I bet. And <laughs> something that... I think is really impressive about that story is that they were able to turn that YouTube video around and publish it in four hours. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only highlight of that story. We're, we're, that's not, but I'm just saying we're recording this podcast and it's going to be about before. an hour long and it's not going to be posted for another week. Yeah, so. I mean. But there is definitely a standard that you don't even think about kind of when you're just in the zone with your buddies. And like you said, it's just, a silly YouTube thing and you you kind of play into the game and you fall into the trap mm-hmm. and you don't think about in the moment oh our coach is gonna see this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. and don't fall under like any any kind of pressure to feel as if you need to be like how other people are being like how if you see some of your higher uh, upperclassmen, sorry, I couldn't figure out the word. But if you if you're seeing some of your upperclassmen, they're probably not acting in a certain way that they need they need to act. Okay, let them act that way because that's their problem. You need to you know you need to set your goal. Uh, you need to set your standard when you come in that you are going to be um, a leader and you're gonna you're gonna show everybody that there's there's a reason why you chose to um, 
come to college and play sports because it's hard. So that was already a tough decision for you to make. I've seen too many people get the opportunity and actually four of my high school teammates that got the opportunity to play in college are no longer playing in college because they decided to act up. And oh, I actually have a story about like what you said about, you know, upperclassmen not behaving the way they're supposed to. When I went to school my freshman year, there were seven baseball players that lived in the same house, and they called it the baseball house, and that's mm. where all the parties were. They said, where are you going on Friday night? I said, baseball house! <laughs> Duh, where else yeah. are you going to go? So there was a, a girl that went to the baseball house who was still in high school, and it was cold, and the, the stairs were wet because people were tracking through snow. And there's no railing that goes down to the basement, which is where, I mean, I mean I'm not going to lie, the basement's pretty sweet. I've been there once. <laughs> um, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was all black lit. Everything was glow in the dark paint. Mm. Um, there was a ton of, they had a, a strobe light machine and a fogger, and it was, it was the whole nine. And she slipped going down the wet stairs and busted her head open in the middle of the party. Oh my gosh. The next morning we came to practice and we ran and ran and ran because the upperclassmen did not want to <laughs> set an example. <laughs> Basically everyone that went to that party was tied into it again. Mm-hmm. Don't go out and do stupid things. Yeah. So. Moral of the story. Moral of the story. <laughs> don't be a dumb <laughs> If there's one thing to take away from this, it's... It's that. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Tune in on March 9th for our next episode on sports controversies, hosted by Alex and Allie. Peace Peace out. out. Remember, score goals, hit bombs, and make buckets.